Talk Radio 96.7. We are headed straight into the Ozone. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. We're talking sports. Give us a call. 682-1430. That's 682-1430. If you're technologically inclined, well, our email's down tonight, so no use giving you that. But this weekend, a lot of football coming up right here on WLKF. Florida State is going to be at NC State in Raleigh, 8 p.m. kickoff, 6 p.m. pregame. On Sunday, the Bucks will host the Falcons, 1 p.m. kickoff, noon pregame. And on Saturday at noon, the kickoff against the Missouri Tigers as the Florida Gators host them in Gainesville, 9 a.m. pregame. That'll be on WNN, 12.30 a.m., 107.1 FM. Coach Joe, a lot of sports going on. The Rays are in the playoffs, and as it is structured now, they don't get a home game against Cleveland. Right, yeah. There's There are now six teams in each league that make the playoffs in baseball. They started that this year, which is good for the Rays because they were the number six team. In. <laughs> and the top two teams, the top two division winners in each league get buys from this first round, which is going to be best two out of three. Uh, they'll play three straight days, but the higher seed gets to be the is where all the games will be played. There's no back and forth, no travel days or anything like well, that. Well, the Rays cinched that up with five straight losses, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they had a chance to move up a little bit, you know, maybe get to uh, the five or the four. Uh, the, but the three and the four, and the, the the number three seed, by the way, is is the is always a division winner. Uh, but it's the one that uh, has the worst of the three division uh, teams that win the worst record in the league of division winners. So in this case, that would be Cleveland, and that's who the Rays is the number six seed will be playing. All right. Well, one of the big topics has been Tua Tonga-Vailoa and his concussions, and uh, the Miami Dolphins were really rolling, and um, all of a sudden their starting quarterback is having possible concussions concussion problems we have on staff here our dr michaeline dr michaeline Tua tonga vailoa would you have let him play four days later on artificial turf after what you saw with the injury he suffered in the sunday game well coach joe and i were watching the telecast of the sunday game which was the dolphins against the bills yeah, at the ale house at the ale house <laughs> and right. um when I saw him go down and then get up again and stumble the way he did, I thought he was off balance. I thought he was unsteady. To me, that was a possible concussion right there. So, you know, I well, concussion, if you think that your patient has a concussion, you should have at least two weeks rest, assuming that they come out of it with no uh, ongoing symptoms or signs, which right. would be things like dizziness, headache, etc., so, no, the answer is I would not have let him play Thursday night. And then the second ensuing one on artificial surface four days later, it was pretty clearly a concussion. Yes, yes. Concur? Yeah, I mean, he had this so-called fencing posture, which is the extension flexion of his hands and forearms. As he lay there on the ground, he couldn't control it. He called for the coach, so clearly he was frightened by it. Uh, everybody agreed, national story, that this was a concussion, what he was suffering then. Uh, and and he didn't get up. He didn't, like he did on Sunday, he got up and 
went back into the locker room, but that didn't happen. Now, according to the Dolphins, his brain scans have been okay, but he's uh, under concussion protocol, as he should be, and he should be out at least two weeks from that date of that, which was uh, last Thursday. So uh, the the worry you, f- you have as a neurologist is that the second blow adds to the first blow right. so that, that he gets a, 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 a an additive uh, injury to the brain. So in either case... Uh, he he's definitely got a in concussion protocol now where he should be and should be out at least two weeks. Very quickly, if he was your son, would you let him play football anymore? That's a really, really hard question to answer. I tend to be very conservative. It was a 16-year-old who had suffered that much back-to-back head trauma like that. I would be very, very worried. He's a 24-year-old. He has a little more of a developed brain. He's more mature. Uh, high school students uh, are still, and most of them are still at a stage when their nervous system is kind of finishing up its development, and they're vulnerable to uh, injury. So I personally would not let my son play again for quite a while after an incident like this. There you have it. Professional opinion. She knows. <laughs> we o- can only speculate, but she knows. The only so- thing I would say real quick is... If you want your child to play these kind of hard contact sports, make sure that they have the best possible equipment, protective equipment. There you go. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. We're going to come back. We've got a special guest for you tonight, and we'll let you wait and hear who that's going to be. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hey, this is Matt Grothy, former USF Bull and Lake Gibson Brave, and you're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on the Ozone. Ozone, oh yeah! The Ozone, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. They turn scrap metal into instant cash. Right, Ronnie O? All right, that is correct. And uh, Matt Grothy, one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best, they've ever had over there at the University of South Florida back in the glory days, Coach Joe. I know. I'm beginning to wonder now, watching uh, the last few weeks of both the Gators and South Florida. You know, South Florida has played one good game, and it was against the Gators. And there are some questions being raised about whether they are giving full effort or not. And so all of a sudden, I think Coach Scott might be in a little bit of trouble, whereas before I thought he was building something good there. But their last couple of games uh, against Louisville and East Carolina – were particularly poor efforts. Now, I know they had to go down to Boca Raton to play East Carolina after after the storm, uh, and going to Louisville can go either way. But uh, there's, uh, I know Jim Levitt was quoted. On, he went on a, an interview, and he talked about that they need to have the team all watch that game film together, the East Carolina one, so that they can point out who's giving effort and who <laughs> isn't because something isn't right there. They shouldn't be this bad. And the fact that they were so played much better against the Gators leads me to believe that some guys aren't fully invested, and we'll have to keep an eye on that in Tampa. I have to agree, and you know, you got a situation there where it's not a program that has a tremendous amount of money, and I don't know what the contract is on Jeff Scott, but um, you know, you you don't want to have to fire the guy and pay a buyout. Well, no, you never want to do that, and and I know that a lot of schools can seem to have plenty of people that can afford that, but I don't know of a big-time donor at USF or one person who can write a check. and, and, and Coach uh, Joe. 
Well, you know, they, I'll think about it. But you I, could get Eric <laughs> Clark to write it for you. That's true. Eric, Eric could do that. Eric, you know, Eric. Oh, no, he's not. Eric should buy out King. <laughs> and by the way, uh, I hope you know. Obviously, we got preempted by the storm last week. We hope everybody's doing okay. Uh, no, no big damage at my place. We lost a tree behind the house. Uh, how about at uh, the Eric Clark uh, Estate uh, with the? Uh, I believe there are six hundred trees there. How how did they do, Eric? <laughs> well, we did have a little bit of minor damage. But it wasn't it wasn't anything worth writing about. Uh, we were blessed, and we're actually uh, we lost internet for fourteen hours, and that was about it. Yeah. You didn't lose any Learjets or yachts. No Learjets, or, no yachts. Had, had those you secure. have to have them before you can lose them, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that, that it was kind of we were kind of lucky considering what happened to the South and and the flooding in Orlando and Daytona. Uh, the including the speedway was those yeah. flooded there. The track completely flooded. I, I've never. If you know how banked and yes. high that track is, yes. I couldn't believe the water level rose that high. <laughs> well, you know, you have Lake Lloyd there in the middle, and uh, I don't know, maybe that somehow contributed to it, but I'm with you. To see that level of flooding on that track, if you've ever been there, it is way up in the air with that 31-degree banking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is close to uh, the Atlantic. As you know, in fact, before there was a speedway, they used to actually race yeah, on the that's beach. that's right. <laughs> it was where they started. How did how did your place turn out in the storm? Oh, we came out fine. Okay. We were pretty much unscathed. Uh, had a little scare. I mean, the, the winds were really scary and thought we were going to lose some windows at one point, but didn't happen, so... We were blessed. Well, we well, hope everybody, all of our listeners are okay, too, and have full power now. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, the Gators are going to host a Missouri team that you don't know what you're looking for out of this team. They should have beaten Georgia. You know, and maybe and it was one of, those, <laughs> yeah, one of those USF efforts where, you know, a team plays way over their head. They're inspired by the particular opponent, and they just seem to play really well. And had they not had that illegal procedure penalty, and, you know, that was one of the things. When you see a team like that that is a severe underdog, you know the other team is more talented, you've got to take chances. I didn't think they should have been kicking field goals all the time, especially not the one they kicked after they had the illegal procedure penalty. To me, after if you're going to you go from the one-yard line to the six you got to go play action and throw the ball in the end zone at least once. That was critical because that was a key moment where they could have actually maybe even taken control of the game, and they ended up keeping Georgia in it. And uh, <clears throat> Georgia's defense is, is kind of suspect now. We have to keep an eye on that. That's two weeks in a row where, where they were – the teams, inferior teams, move the ball pretty well yeah. on them. But they do have a high-powered offense. And uh, Missouri was able to stay ahead because Georgia's kind of – hurting themselves with mistakes and turnovers and, and themselves settling for field goals uh, down down after they because they moved the ball up and down the field in that game. Uh, yeah, I don't I think Missouri, what you're gonna you're gonna see them give an, uh, an effort. I don't think they're they're like that. I think uh, it's a team that will try hard. however, there's a, there's a limit to how good they are. and uh, the, besides almost beating Georgia, they really should have beaten Auburn. That game was they flat out gave that away in in an unimaginable manner. <laughs> what, How about going from goat to hero for their kicker, Mevis? I, I love oh, that. Oh, yeah. He, he, missed the, a he missed a 20, guy 29 yard. They call him the thicker kicker. <laughs> yeah. He's enormous. And he'd be, he wears number 92, and he would be big for a defensive line. <laughs> you know, uh, But he missed an extra point length 
uh, field goal at the buzzer that would have beaten Auburn that they set up for him when they were down near yeah. inside the five. And instead of trying for the touchdown, they ran the clock down and he missed that. And then they went into overtime. And of course, after holding Auburn to a field goal, they had the, the running back breaking loose, reaching to try to cross the goal line with the yeah. ball, dropping the ball before it reached the goal line recovered by Auburn. They go from a, a few inches away from a win instead turns into a loss. I, I don't know, Ronnie. I've never seen that. <laughs> you know, not in one play like that where a win turns into a loss. No, that's that's true. Um, you know, Eli Drinkwitz could be coaching for his job, not necessarily in this particular game, but this year. You know, I, I don't know how happy they are with him out there. It's kind of it always reminds me of when the Red Sox had a pitcher named Bill Lee that you know he was kind of flaky, and they called him Spaceman, and not because he'd been an astronaut, but because he was way out there. And they asked the manager about him one time. They said, what do you think of Bill Lee? He said he's a very funny guy when he's winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Well, I think for, for the Gators, they got to be, be aware. Right now, the Gators defensively will keep other teams in ball games. right now. And, and uh, I think their offense is starting to uh, come together, and they're starting to get it and gel. Uh, defensively, the reason why the Gators um, – right now are a level below championship quality is is because of their defense and that means every game is at risk because of that now if they do a good job defensively and you got to watch that Missouri running game if you if they if they shut that down they should be just fine and and at the very least I think they know how to do this quick turnaround play early in the day and and be ready to play at a high level so they should be doing that they're still a young team though still subject to ups and downs, just like Missouri is. So it's hard to predict. I think they're going to be okay this week, though. Well, you know, one of the things, one of the values of the hurricane, if there's such a thing, is that the Gators got to play last Sunday against Eastern Washington. And now as he goes out recruiting, Billy Napier can tell every kid, every kid I've coached at Florida played on Sunday. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that too. <laughs> and uh, and right now, that's uh, if, if you talk about what uh, they hired the coach to do, it was to create uh, a, an atmosphere where the players always gave maximum effort and they always came prepared to play. I think that's coming together. And to develop the talent they have, but then the next phase, the long-term phase, is, of course, to improve recruiting so that the talent level replenishes itself. And that's coming along, too, that Gators are currently ranked in the top 10 in the recruiting class. And you, they're starting to get the attention of all the high-profile recruits. And there's people like the atmosphere there. So in that process, uh, I know people wish they were further along this season, but where they are overall uh, is is about as good as you can realistically have expected to this point. Totally agree. People have to be patient with Napier and the team that we have because you forget just how young and inexperienced Anthony Richardson is. And I don't care how talented you are, it's like the old saying, you know, he, he can airmail it, but there's no zip code on it. Well, you know, he, he's getting better every week, it seems like. But this team is not that talented. I've heard people say, well, Florida's 20, first 22 can play with anybody in the country. No, they can't. They're not that good. There were no playmakers on offense. You're just kind of developing some with Richardson, and you're kind of developing one with ETN. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of speed there. I mean, 
Shorter has fallen short of expectations at this point. So, you know, you alluded to something earlier, and that's um, the money and the impatience that there is in college athletics. And I hear a lot of these national guys, and they kind of skip over this. They say, well, you know, the, there's no loyalty. Well, no, there's no loyalty. You're paying a guy $7 million. You don't expect him to win five years from now. You expect him to win now. And that's why you're paying them that. And besides, they get fired. Who feels sorry for them? Oh, here's 13. You stink at your job. Here's $13 million. <laughs> you know, hate to see you go, but here's your hat. Well, yeah, there, there's, uh, it depends on the situation, but obviously, what we have to look at now, and this is, I think, the reason some of this is coming up now, Ronnie, is two guys who were given long term deals, uh, Jimbo Fisher and uh, Mel Tucker. Yeah. And both of their teams this year are not very good. Now, let me just be blunt about Texas A&M. They're just okay at best. They're nobody. They're they're huge underdogs at Alabama, a, a team they beat last year. Yeah, and, and I've watched them now several weeks. Their offense isn't any good at all, and and uh, uh, and, and Michigan State's awful this year. I mean, not just a, a mediocre team. They're really bad now. Up in East Lansing, in Michigan State, they're talking about, well, this is part of the rebuilding. This is expected. They're they're, they're building for the future there. So maybe a long-term deal with Mel Tucker makes sense. But Texas A&M was expected to—this is, what, year four or five for Jimbo Fisher? They were expected to be much better by now. Well, yeah, and I think the Mel Tucker thing, they panicked. You know, they heard LSU was interested. Sometimes the deal you don't make— is the right deal. And as far as Jimbo Fisher, um, to change the phrase around, to add injury to insult, now they found out Max Johnson has a broken bone in his hand and may not be able to play the rest of the season. And he seemed to be coming around. I thought he was better than he's played out there. And so he was the best they had. Yeah. For sure. And and he was making plays and he, he against Miami, you know, he was the difference in the game. He made enough plays and they said they only scored seventeen points in that game and the and the Hurricanes defense isn't that great. You know, Middle Tennessee State put forty five on him. And North Carolina's gonna oh, I, I shudder to think what's gonna happen in this game coming up for them. Uh I yeah, so um without him they were I don't know. I don't know who's going to, you know, they're, they've got quarterback problems big time. There. No doubt. And you brought up Middle Tennessee State. When they beat Miami, that's how an inferior underdog wins football games. You know, <clears throat> Miami, they get the ball on their own one-yard line. Quarterback drops back, boom, 99-yard touchdown pass. <clears throat> they didn't quit. You know, they kept laying it on because Miami was going to come back. Miami's better than them. They're physically more talented. And you had to know that. And now what in the heck has happened to Tyler Van Dyke? You know, people were saying he might he was a Heisman Trophy hopeful. It's scary. They gave up on him very quickly. Uh, there's huge questions surrounding him now. He got benched in that game. I believe he, he's still starting this coming game. But, again, North Carolina, if nothing else, North Carolina scores points. They're going to put up a lot of points. Miami's defense has given up a lot of points to North Carolina in past years. There's no reason to expect they're not going to give up a lot of points this year. And if the Canes can't keep up, it's going to be another long day for them. No doubt about it. Well, we'll talk a little bit about Florida State when we come back. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hey, you've got the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 
The Ozone, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Coach Joe, on this date in 1997, Johnny Vandermeer, the only man in Major League Baseball history to pitch back-to-back no-hitters, passed away. And uh, he pitched a no hit, two no-hitters in 1938 against the Boston Bees, which were the forerunners of the Braves. And then he pitched next time out against the Dodgers, another no-hitter. He was 82 when he passed away. Now, here's one you'll probably, you may remember. In 1998, Mark Belanger, eight-time gold glove shortstop, mostly with the Orioles. I know, I know our doc remembers that. But um, big, tall, rangy guy, not much of a hitter, but boy, could he play the field. Oh, he was terrific fielding shortstop, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, the Omar Vizquel school of shortstops. Oh, yeah, there, man, you know, that guy guys was, who had amazing gloves. Uh, he, he was, he was something. known for that. You know, you, it didn't matter how, how poorly he hit when you can field that well at such an important position. Yeah, you can afford, you can carry one of the. They kind of had two of them because they had Paul Blair in center field who was – a tremendous fielder and just an average hitter at best. But, man, those Oriole teams back then, they could pitch and hit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you get a shortstop who can hit really well and with power, they become third baseman. Generally. Yeah, <laughs> so well, you got happens. that right. Yeah, Cal Ripken, that. Like that. Exactly. those guys like that. Exactly. <laughs> 1969, Walter Hagen, who won 11 majors, passed away at the age of 76. In 1911, I covered this game, Cy Young Lost his final game, and uh, it was it was a sad day. I, I remember tears in my eyes as Cy Young lost his final game. And in 1926, Babe Ruth became the first to hit three World Series home runs in a single game. The Yankees ended up losing that World Series four games to three to the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, here's one for you. The St. Louis Cardinals, I don't know if anybody else has played the Yankees this much and come out with a winning record, but they are 3-2 and two all time against the Yankees, having beaten them in 26, 42, and in 1964. Ah, wow, that is, that is a lot. The Marlins are only 1-0 and against the Yankees in the World Series. <laughs> I think the Dodgers are about 2-1,000 and a thousand against the Yankees in the World Series. I know seems the Yankees were in the World Series eight times in the 50s, and I think they won like six of them. <laughs> the Dodgers did beat them in 55. Yeah, that was a great. I like I love the Brooklyn Dodgers. Hey, con- but for the Yankee fans, congratulations, Aaron Judge, getting that 62nd homer with one game <laughs> uh, uh, before the end of the season. He got it just in time. Got it out up in Texas, and then they gave him the day off which ended any chance he had for the Triple Crown because he obviously led the American League in home runs. He also led them in RBIs with 131, but he was second in American League in hitting at 311. So uh, congratulations to Minnesota's Luis Arias, 316, which uh, is his career average. I think it's 315, <laughs> so he did not have a career year. He had a career average year. <laughs> But uh, 316 wins the batting title. I know, that's pretty low, yeah. really. Yeah. Even what? in today's game. I remember Carl Yastrzemski won one. I think he might have hit 301 back in, oh, let me see, in the maybe late 60s. might have been 68 when before they lowered the mound. I think he may have won a batting title at 301 back then. But um, 
want to congratulate, by the way, uh, Justin Verlander, of course, you know, uh, former Tiger. He led the American League in wins with 18 and in ERA, 1.75. My gosh. Good luck hitting Justin Verlander. He's still got it. And Houston, of course. Lower the, the mound. Number, yeah. <laughs> Houston, the number two seed. Yeah. In, I'm sorry, the number one seed in the American League. The American Actually, the Yankees League. are the two seed. Yeah. yeah. And the Dodgers won 111 games. You know what? Historically, when that happens, that team doesn't win the World Series. It, it just historically, historically, remember the Mariners when they won? They won 111 games. They won 116. Yeah, and they yeah. they lost to the Yankees in the first round of the playoffs and back then. Didn't the Mariners, they? the number five seed, I believe, and that was the last time they were in the playoffs. There it was 21 years ago when they did that in 01, wow. and they lost to the Yankees, I believe, in the ALCS. That Griffey Jr. Yeah. and Alex Rodriguez on that yeah, team? Yeah, they did. Both both of those. And Randy Johnson was pitching. No, well, he was with Arizona by then, so it wasn't. Uh, they didn't have him. But uh, they, they did have a, a loaded lineup, and they just, they were rolling. But the Yankees were also pretty good that year. And, uh, you know, speaking of playoff teams, the Mets are in the playoffs, but they did lose the division to the Braves in the final weekend of the season. On a tiebreaker, didn't they? Uh, they didn't yeah. they finish tied? They finished tied, and uh, the, the Braves had the better head-to-head record. Uh, but congratulations to former Gator Pete Alonso, led the America, the National League in RBIs with 131. Yeah, now you you said Judge had 131, didn't he have 133? And the because uh, I was thinking he led the majors in RBIs. I'm not uh, sure about that. I in front of me here, according to the internet, it says that Aaron Judge led the American League with 131. Okay, so they so tied for the they major both league. Had, yeah, both had 131. The uh, uh, and uh, the National League, by the way, the National League leader in home runs was Kyle Schwarber, the Phillies, who also made the playoffs. First time in a while for them. 46 home runs for the former Cub. He's now with the Phillies. Pete Alonso finished second in home runs with 40. So uh, not near as many as Judge's 62. So the yeah. next highest total in the in majors this year after Judge was 46. <laughs> but, you know, that's kind of like Babe Ruth. There were times when he was playing that he had more home runs than teams did. In a single year, you know, to dominate the way that he did is just unbelievable. I mean, Otani has done some great things, but what Babe Ruth did is is so remarkable. It, it just defies imagination. We got a caller, mystery caller. Mystery I'm, I'm caller. betting this is either Daryl or the fabled counselor. Who have we got? The fabled, the fabled, <laughs> the fabled counselor. <laughs> All right. Yes. Yeah. Mystery guests, come in and sign in, please. Yes. <laughs> See you about the judge because I hate them all. <laughs> Here come the judge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So exactly. you didn't rise. You took a well, knee we, in Yankee Stadium when they said all rise, huh? <laughs> oh, Yankees. Do, do not get me started. <laughs> they, they, they're like in their stadium called the Death Star. It's the new Death Star. I heard Coach Joe saying something about the uh, Braves, and I thought he didn't say the Godless Commies. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know the uh, Freddie Freeman, of course, who was. Uh, helped the Braves win the World Series last year. He's now with the Dodgers and he's still he's still killing it. Uh he he went to uh he went to the good guys. He left <laughs> he get, he get, he got well, out, of, you know out what, of there. The league in hits with 199. Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Freddy Krueger Freeman. 
How did the Braves let him go, by the way? I mean, that guy, that guy rolls out of bed and starts hitting. They're stupid. <laughs> but got to love the Braves. Fabled, how about those Demon Deacons? Three straight over Florida State. This is the second time they've had a three-game winning streak against them. When Bobby Bowden was coaching, they shut them out 30 to nothing in Tallahassee one year. Here is my here's my last wish though. Uh, before I die. <laughs> the last wish. Wait a minute. <laughs> you all right, Rush? You feeling all right, man? Elvis is dead and I don't feel so good myself, huh? I'm well, but the best interview in sports right now has to be Mike Leach. <laughs> that guy is that guy's on the spectrum. He is just amazing. Halloween candy, weddings. I mean, just a great, great interview, don't you think? He's a savant, you know, because, uh, uh, of course, uh, he's the one who developed Josh Heupel at Oklahoma, turned him into a great quarterback, and now, of course, Heupel's turned into a great coach himself at Tennessee. And uh, Leach has done great things uh, with with Mississippi State. Did you see what they did to Texas A&M? Man. Destroyed. Absolutely. Was it 42-24 you know, or something like that? Yeah, and it wasn't even that close. <laughs> yeah, that was a late touchdown, I think. Got to start with how Mummy in the air raid. Yeah, exactly. And, and wasn't how Mummy's brother Billy, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> Lost in space, man. <laughs> yeah. Will Robinson. Yeah, but, uh, and, and you know something else, too. Here's a, here's a trivia question for you guys. What does Terry Bowden, Mike Leach, and Rick Neuheisel all have in common? It can't be they're all short. (laughs) 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 Only one of them is short. (laughs) Oh, they're they're not all. They all have law degrees. Oh, oh yeah. uh-huh. the, the John Cooper I School of Coaching, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, that know, but, uh, that is cool they, stuff. They were all sick the day they taught law at law school. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Terry Bowden came up a little short in law school. You've got to stop that. So, did, you, did you say Mike Leach? It wasn't no, not Mike Leach doesn't have a law degree, does he? Yeah, he does. Wow, can you imagine, Rusty, what what his blue books must have looked like during some of those exams? Oh, <laughs> the professor would be like going, Mr. Leach, be quiet. <laughs> a professor would have been going, hey, you should be a law professor with these some of these some, yeah. of, these, some of these responses. Exactly. I think he must have gotten some social promotions to get rid of him. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, well, the missus is saying, I just got a text from her saying, where are you? And I will not tell. <laughs> well, <laughs> you don't have to tell us, Rusty, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you get on home safe. And uh, you going to the game on Saturday? Uh, do not think so. Do not think so. Uh, LSU, probably. But the last time I was here in the swamp, there was some kind of shoe-tossing thing. Oh, no, the fabled counselor, a game-time decision for LSU. Exactly. Exactly. Well, well the fa- last one was COVID, and it was, on, it was the latest game ever played in the, at home in the swamp, December 12th. Mm. I, I remember that fog. 
I could see just well enough to know they hit their field goal and we missed ours. So. Oh, well. And mid-December games, <laughs> Sunday games, and mass hysteria, right, Rusty? <laughs> Dogs and cops living together. <laughs> well, Fabled, you better get home because we don't – for your well-being, you should go home now. Right now. That's right. Ms. Mrs. Fable doesn't take any business. All right, the fabled counselor. No extra charge for that. There you go. Man, I tell you what. Coach Joe, um, uh, why don't we go ahead and take our break early, and we come back, we'll have that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. This is Billy Napier with Florida Football. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Oh yeah, it's the Ozone talking sports with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. Coach Joe, what is that I hear? I hear stomachs growling. Mm. (laughs) I hear some people out there who are hungry. They're thirsty. They cannot wait. They know right now that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House is waiting for them. And you are right. If you haven't won the last six months, here's the question. All you have to do is give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. And we will send you out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House with a $30 gift certificate. So here you go. What college did these great running backs play for? O.J. Simpson, Ricky Bell, Marcus Allen, Mike Garrett, John Arnett, and Frank Gifford. If you haven't won in the last six months, give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. And you could go out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House with that $30 gift certificate. Coach Joe was just out there. The food is great. They're located at 5650 South Florida Avenue, and they have over 40 strategically located television sets to watch your favorite sporting event. Well, with us now, we told you we had a great guest for tonight, George Brewer, defensive coordinator with Warner University. Oh, we lost him. I'm sorry. Well, we thought we had him. You know, um, there's parts of Lake Wales that still have power issues. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And and, and they're, they're down there in Warner University, the very far southeast corner of Polk County, uh, and we have had trouble reaching him all night. Uh Eric is working feverishly on it. We'll try to get him back. I can tell you right now, Ronnie, late first half in the Thursday night football game, 3 nothing lead for Denver over the Colts. Uh, and they're just about to halftime there. So keep listening to us, guys. You're not missing any of the action. You can tune in and watch the second half. We'll be, <laughs> by the time halftime's over, our show will be as well. A lot of offensive fireworks there. <laughs> yeah, you 3 know. 3 already. Is this a soccer game, or is this is this the... NSL. Both teams have had issues despite getting veteran quarterbacks in the offseason. Russell Wilson for the Broncos, Matt Ryan for the Colts. Both teams have struggled offensively all season long so far. We're about to lower the mound in football, too. <laughs> football, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, give us a call, 682-1430. We're trying to get a sports quiz winner. We want to know which college did these Great running backs play for O.J. Simpson, Ricky Bell, Marcus Allen, Mike Garrett, John Arnett, Frank Gifford. All at the same school. So if you exactly. figure out one of them, you've got the answer. 
at 682-1430. Ronnie, uh, speaking of offense, fireworks, uh, one of the best off. All right. I'm sorry, oh, go ahead. Coach yeah, we got, we got, got George Coach Brewer. Brewer. Great. Great. Coach, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Thank you. Thank you. Coach, um, you are the defensive coordinator and assistant head coach at Warner University over in Lake Wales, and um, you've had a couple games canceled. Are you guys, you think you're going to get to play? When, when will your next game be? Our next game will be uh, Saturday. We will play Kaiser at their place. Um, and we're looking forward to uh, getting back on campus. We had some flooding issues. Oh, the administration man. is working diligently at trying to get those things resolved. Coach, you played at the University of Georgia under uh, – you, you were recruited, I guess, by um, the legendary Vince Dooley, and then you played under Ray Goff. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, when you were at Georgia, I guess the first year wasn't too good, four and seven, then nine and three, ten and two, and then a five and six year after that. What do you remember yes, from those years? What sticks out in your mind? Um. Uh, but the thing that stick out in my mind most is is the loyalty of the fan fan base, the excitement of running out Sanford Stadium. You know, as always, was a treat. You know, up in the North Corner, the the young lady or that played the battle hymn before games. You know, then the biggest thing was coming back after the game, listening to Larry Munson was always a huge deal for us. Oh man, he was awesome. Hey, hey Coach uh, Coach Joe here. It's, uh, thanks for joining us on the show. We're sorry uh, we couldn't get a hold of you earlier, but I just wanted to ask you, you know, uh, you ha- had to enjoy the great defense Georgia played last year. This year, is it me, or they don't quite look quite as strong this year? What's your assessment of, of the Georgia defense this year so far? Well, I mean, Georgia, uh, you know, last year was a was an epic year for us, and, and it, was, it was a great deal. Coach Smart did an excellent job. Those guys are still doing an excellent job there. Uh, you know, things change, some some personnel changes, but I, I you know, I, I, the the fact the factory is they still uh, coming away on top every every week. So that that's a that's a good thing. Sometimes you you have those you know trials and tribulation of being great, or sometimes you know it just fits in the right place at the right time. Coach, um, you and I had an opportunity to talk before the show, and uh, you have a very interesting perspective. You know, a lot of people would think, well, all right, he's coaching at Warner, so he's he's not going to go after the four-star, five-star kids out of high school. But you have an interesting perspective on recruiting. Share that with our audience, please. Yes, the, the big thing for us is that because of – for many kids in high school, the portal is, is a nightmare before. In a high school, it's a dream for us because – with the amount of athletes and a limited amount of scholarships, you know, kids can only go so far with things. That There's other opportunities out there for them. So we still go after those kids because of the simple fact of at the end of the day recruiting, when it's closed, you know, those kids still need somewhere to play football. Uh, and and I, I tell them all, you know, I, I had a chance to play in the NFL. And it was a situation where for us it was the deal of, of just being honest that no matter where you play, if you can play, they're going to – they're going to know where you are, uh, you know, but the main thing is getting on the field, displaying your talent. No doubt about it. Coach, unfortunately, we're up against a, a time frame, and uh, we really appreciate you calling in tonight. Maybe we can get you on later in the season. Absolutely, absolutely. I would love to come back and uh, have a little bit more time to talk with you guys, and we can talk football and you know, a few laughs about things that have happened. But I, <laughs> For I sure. Appreciate the moment. All right. Thank you so much, Coach. Really appreciate you calling in. Yes, sir.
Thank you. Uh, all right. That's George Brewer, the defensive coordinator for Warner University over in Lake Wales. We got a caller that's hungry and thirsty. Who is this? Ron, how you doing? Ron. All right, man. Where do you know the answer? Uh, well, I'm guessing USC. USC. You mean South Carolina? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, Southern no, no California. George Rogers on that list. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, are you a Southern Cal fan? Uh, no, no. Who's your team? Miami. Miami. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going to have to hang up mm-hmm. on you. No. Hey, we could have mentioned Miami. They've had a few good running yeah, backs over have. the years. Frank Gore and Edron James, among others. But, Ron, hang on the line. Eric will get your information, and we'll send that out to the Ale House tonight. You can go as early as tomorrow, and you can go out there and eat and drink $30 worth on us. How about that? Hey, I enjoy that. I love the place. Yes, sir. We, Coach Joe and I both go out there frequently, so you go out there and enjoy that on us, all right? All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Don't hang job, up. Ron. Hang on the line, and uh, Eric will get your information, and we'll send that out to the Ale House for you tonight.